The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Keep the conversation going. Directory assistance. Call Radio Tony. Hello. 561-623-9421. On W4WN Radio Guest Skype. Well, good morning, everyone in Australia, and good evening to those of you listening across America tonight. It's Easter Friday here in Australia, and it's a bright, beautiful autumn day. Quite nice indeed. Um, We don't have any guests on the show this week because it's Easter Friday in Australia, and I thought I'd give everyone a break. So you have my company for the next 50 minutes or so. Um, If you'd like to pop on over to my website and see my latest blog, it's tonylontis.com, T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S.com. You can follow me on my Facebook page at Tony Lontis, my Instagram, Tony M. Lontis, LinkedIn, Tony Lontis, and on Twitter at Tony Lontis. So let's get the show underway with the big news this week. The biggest news this week is from Europe and France, where we all held, uh, heard the uh, terrible news that a major fire had engulfed the medieval cathedral of the Notre Dame in the centre of Paris. The Notre Dame is one of France's most famous landmarks. It's an 850-year-old Gothic building um, and its spire and roof collapsed, uh, but the main structure of the building, including its uh, two bell towers, should be able to be saved. Um, Firefighters worked extensively to maintain, contain the blaze, and they, while well, teams tried to salvage the artwork that was stored inside. The President uh, Emmanuel Macron called it a tragedy. The cause of the fire is not yet clear, and officials say it could be linked to renovation work that had begun after cracks appeared in the stone, sparking fears the structure had become unstable. Uh, They think at this stage that the fire was an accidental uh, fire with uh, no one assuming any blame. Um, It certainly spread very quickly with the fire beginning around 8.30pm. It quickly reached the roof of the cathedral, destroying its stained glass windows and wooden interior before toppling its famous spire. Um, Some 500 firefighters worked to prevent the bell towers from collapsing. Uh, More than four hours later, they considered that the structure had been saved and preserved from total destruction. 
during uh, the preceding weeks before the fire, uh, the building was under extensive renovation and 16 copper statues had luckily been removed last week. Um, it's a valuable heritage structure in Paris and there has been an outpouring of grief since the fire. Um, thousands of people have gathered in the streets around the cathedral, um, openly crying, singing hymns and saying prayers. Several churches around Paris rang their bells in response to the blaze, which happened as Catholics celebrate Holy Week. The only solace, solace that you might take from the horrific fire is that it's really merely the last chapter in a long and violent history of destruction and despair. The cathedral was heavily damaged by rioters in the 16th century, remodelled by successive kings and roundly plundered during the French Revolution, where 28 statues of biblical figures were mistaken for French kings and beheaded. Um, the cathedral's also famous for Victor Hugo's 1831 novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, that brought the cathedral's plight to widespread attention, raising alarm that the mutilations, amputations and dislocations of the structure um, and its Gothic architecture were disintegrating before everyone's eyes. His writing spurred on calls for a full uh, restoration, which was eventually undertaken um, and in 1845. For the next 25 years, the Notre Dame was moulded according to the architect's own romantic vision, adding elaborate layers of ornaments and decorative statues entirely of his own invention. The spire was indeed made of 500 tonnes of wood and includes 250 tonnes of lead, and it was a far cry from the previous tower. Um, the architect concocted, concocted a fan, fantasy menagerie of apostles and mythical creatures, and these were placed around the building. Um, other notes of interest around the Notre Dame in, Dame include Sigmund Freud, who forced, first saw it in 1885. Uh, Freud described it as a sensation I had never ha uh, had before. Um, whilst he was studying neurology, um, he kept returning to the Notre Dame every free afternoon to just stand in its presence. Um, there were numerous post-war movies set in Paris using the Notre Dame as an establishing shot. Um, it was a background in Breathless. Um, it featured in Gene, some Gene Kelly dance sequence. Um, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn walked past it in uh, The Charade, the most stunning and now eerily uh nod to its truest attraction was the setting of Richard Linklater's Before Sunset, which reunited lovers Jesse and Celine, um, and they ponder in front of the cathedral. Uh, the most sensational use of the Notre Dame is, of course, The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1939, based on Victor Hugo's novel, um, which sees a lonely and lovelorn Quasimodo the cathedral's bell ringer, uh, try to rescue Esmeralda from a public hanging for witchcraft. Indeed, there is a lot of history around the witches being burnt at the stake um, 
at the Notre Dame uh, during that evil time in history. Uh, the Muppet Show famously in 1981 opened with a number uh, featuring a blue-headed, green-haired chap called Mulch performing the role of Quasimodo. He climbed the bell tower of the Notre Dame and sang a love song. Through the episode, the special guest, Deborah Harry, performed her hit, Blondie's One Way or Another. Uh, television's relationship with the Parisian landmark has switched vicariously from comedy to gothic horror. In, 19, in 2016, the Simpsons episode to Courier with Love has a family flying to Paris because Homer has to work as a courier transporting an endangered Amazon blue constrictor snake into the country for reasons too bizarre to get into. One night in Paris, while Bart is fishing in the scene and Homer dons his turtleneck and with Marge strolls past the cathedral. Admiring the gargoyles, Homer remarks... That's from when religion knew how to scare the crap out of you. And yet Homer had a point. The Notre Dame's function on TV has often been to scare the crap out of its audience and provide a backdrop for gothic programming. There's a lot of artistic wonder that surrounds the Notre Dame um, and a lot of the most recent gamers have used the Notre Dame um, in the, the game architecture um for the background of their games. Um, in video games, the architecture is more for set dressing. When a player can move through a piece of art, examine it, touch, move and interact with it visually as well as in the composition of virtual spaces, the buildings become as vital as the experience as code, sound and visual design. Game designers Art, uh, like architects, is that expressing something through space. A great many video game creatives show a weakness for imposing beautiful Gothic architecture in their work. Echoes of the Notre Dame can be seen in games from the horror of Bloodborne to the arch fantasy of World of Wood. Uh, sorry, World of Warcraft. And for Assassin's Creed, a historical game set in the French Revolution, an environmental artist called uh, Caroline spent the best part of two years recreating the Notre Dame Cathedral in its virtual 18th century Paris, working from old maps of the city and sketches and photographs. The Notre Dame didn't have its spires at the time uh, she based her game, but in a concession to the modern player's mental image of the iconic building, you can climb right up to the top of the cathedral, survey the city below, and from inside you can see the paintings that were hanging on the walls 250 years ago. Experiencing the cathedral in-game, uh, having seen as the flesh evokes a powerful intimate sense of deja vu. You can't touch its ancient stone in the game, of course, but in real, you can. So some interesting history about uh the witches and actually the knights of templar were burned for crimes of heresy and witchcraft at the notre dame in the 1300s what a terrible way to die interesting facts include the church receives almost 13 million visitors each year and that's more than the eiffel tower um and it also features, uh, have statues in the facade of the cathedral. Uh, ca cathedral were removed just before renovation. So I'm just going to pop to a break and have a song and I'll come back with some more world news after that. Thanks. Radio Tony. Oh, no. 
on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues. This is Radio Tony on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book 
from Australian author Tony Londis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Welcome back to Radio Tony. Making news in Australia this morning is the news that a 14-month-old child has been dragged from his camper van by a dingo on Fraser Island. Fraser Island is just off the east coast of Australia and is known for its a huge population of wild dingoes. These small and vicious little animals um, are known to rob from campsites, but we've had the terrifying event this morning where a 14-year-old, a 14-month-old child was dragged from inside a sleeping bag and out onto the campsite. His parents found him, uh, called the paramedic, and the child was airlifted to a local hospital and has since been airlifted to a major children's hospital with deep lacerations to the back of his head and neck. I feel really sorry for his parents this morning. What a terrible uh, trauma to happen to them at Easter time. In further news in Australia, a couple has been rescued from a swamp in northern Australia after riding help in the mud to attract attention. The two were on a fishing trip in the Keep River National Park, Northern Territory, when their car became bogged. The couple and their puppy, Ace, were forced to spend Sunday night in the vehicle but said they feared the rising tide would bring crocodiles. They were later rescued by a search team after being missing for 26 hours. Not the best place to be stuck where there are huge five and six metre crocodiles abounding. Uh, they tried digging the car out, but unfortunately, they couldn't. the tyres were stuck fast. They had plenty of water, but uh, were still grateful to be rescued nevertheless. In other tragic news this week, a pet deer has gnawed a man to death and seriously injured his wife in a rare attack in Australia. We don't have a lot of pet deer in Australia, and this couple kept the stag on their property in Victoria where the attack happened on Wednesday morning. The woman suffered life-threatening injuries after her after going to her husband's aid, um, and she was flown to a hospital for treatment. Um, this is a rare attack in Australia and a very sad um, thing to happen again just before Easter. In Africa, uh, they have found a giant mammal-like animal that is bigger than a polar bear and the oldest known member of a group of extinct mammals called hyenodets, so named due to their dental resemblance to hyenas even though the groups are also unrelated. The lower jaw, teeth and bones of the animal were found in a museum in Kenya's capital of Nairobi. Uh, Based on its massive teeth, the Simbawaka was a specialised hypercarnivore that was significantly larger than the modern lion and possibly larger than a polar bear. What a scary thought that is. Um, the, fi- the findings of these colleagues were published in the Journal of Vertebrae Paleontology. 
Times this week has listed the 100 most influential people in the world with Democrat Hillary Clinton living proof that when it comes to getting a job done, more often than not, it takes a woman. Um, musician Sean Menendez wrote uh, that of Swift that she makes, Taylor Swift makes people feel older and then young again. Um, the issue is compromised um, short of tributes written by fellow global luminaries throughout all industries. Beyonce penned an essay on former First Lady Michelle Obama, President Donald Trump and Special Counsel Rob Mueller also made this year's list. Interestingly enough, this Friday we can expect a pink moon for Easter celebrations. The term pink moon refers to a full moon that occurs in April and is named after the pink spring flower that appears at the same time. Well, spring, uh, springtime in America, autumn time in Australia. The name is slightly deceiving because the moon won't look pink but a slightly pale orange. Stargazers in the UK should be able to spot the orange-pink moon around 8.05pm uh, for one night only. People in the rest of Europe and North America will also be able to see it. The moon should slowly turn yellow as it gets higher in the sky. The pink moon came about due to the spring flower called the wild ground phlox, which is very pink and appears in the US about the same time as April's full moon. The natural phenomenon is always linked to the date of Easter because it appears after the spring equinox. You may think the term pink moon is confusing, but the very same celestial phenomenon can also be referred to as the egg moon, uh, the full sprouting grass moon, the growing moon or the full fish moon. The pink moon will look orange as it rises until when it is a full moon and seen low in the sky and it can be viewed through the greater thickness of the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, the Earth's oxygen and nitrogen atmosphere fibres out the blue wavelengths of the white moonlight when the moon is close to the horizon as it rises. This filtering process, known as light refraction, results in a more red component of the moonlight travelling directly into your eye. Therefore, the moon will appear red or orange to you. The moon can only really appear to have turned pink during a total lunar eclipses, which is often referred to as a blood moon. The next half blood moon is set to take place in July this year and should be visible from some parts of Europe, Africa, Asia and the Middle East. I can't wait to see the photos of this. Um, so one of my callers today once says it's sad about the mess going on in the world. What can we do to make it better? Well, I'm sure that there's lots of things that we as individuals can do in our own small hemisphere, but I do believe that it'll take uh, strong leadership from across the world to right some of the mistakes we're making around climate change, wars, peace. Those things are the greater issues uh, that I think require a level of leadership that we're not seeing in the world today. How can people find out more about world news? Well, my go-to is always Google and I have a number of uh 
websites that are my preference. So I actually like BBC, uh, worldnews.com and a few of the Australian sites. But often I find myself going back to a site called snopes.com. Snopes.com is great for weeding out all those conspiracy theories, which leads me to a Facebook thread on my feed this week about mosquito drones. And there were lots of people getting really upset about the prospect of being spied on and having their DNA taken from mosquito drones. So I uh, entered into that thread conversation and was wondering what all the hoo-ha was about. And so I then went on to uh, Snopes to check out what they were saying about these so-called mosquito robots um, and found a lot of interesting information. So is there such a mosquito? Well, no. It's an insect spy drone for urban areas and it's already in production funded by the US government. It can be remotely controlled and is equipped with a camera and a microphone. It can land on you and it may have potential to take DNA sample and leave an RFID tracking uh, nanology, nanotechnology on your skin. Um, it could fly through the window and it could attach to your clothing and, to, and you could take it into your home. The problem with these things is that in one of the current areas of research undertaken in the scientific military field is the development of these micro-air vehicles or MAVs, tiny flying objects intended to go to places that cannot safely be reached by humans or other types of equipment. One of the primary military applications envisioned for MAVs is gathering intelligence. And some extreme applications posted for each of these devices was to be used as small swarm weapons that could be launched en masse against enemy forces. Some of the effects of the MAV research is involving them trying to mimic the flight of birds. Um, so in actual fact, these MAVs are more like having a three centimetre wingspan. So you sh you're going to see them. They're not small like mosquitoes. Um, more the size of a huge bumblebee or a butterfly. Um, the US government deemed that they had not researched or developed insect-like uh, MABs for several years as they proved to be useless in terms of any real information gathering. Um, and in terms of aerodynamically, they are difficult to fly and they are difficult to manage in that size. So um, that's it for me. I'm going to have another break and I'll join you again after that. And we will talk some more world news. Okay, over to a break. Thanks.
Radio Tony, difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Join Tony Londis, author of Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Keeping the conversation going on the suppressed social and moral issues. This is Radio Tony on W4WN. And you're back listening to Radio Tony Live. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about some of the conspiracy theories and hoaxes on the internet at the moment. And another one that sparked my interest was the um, photo of a pack of wolves that says something about, do the oldest and weakest wolves really lead the pack? The photograph of a wolf pack is commonly shared with an inaccurate description of the behaviour of wolves. In December 2015, a photograph of a wolf pack wolf pack marching through the snow began circulating via Facebook, along with an inaccurate description about its hierarchy. A wolf pack, the first three are the old or sick. They give the pace to the entire pack. If it was the other way around, they would have been left behind, losing contact with the pack. In case of any ambush, they would be sacrificed. Then come the five strong ones, the front line, In the centre are the rest of the pack members, then the five strongest following. Last alone, the Alpha. He controls everything from the rear. In that position, he can see everything, decide the direction. He sees all of the pack and the pack moves according to the elders' pace and help each other and watch out for each other. So despite the image's popularity, however, the attached description of the inner workings of a wolf pack is inaccurate. The photograph shown was taken by Chadden Hunter, who featured on the BBC documentary Frozen Planet in 2011, with its original description explaining that the alpha female led the pack and that the rest of the wolves followed in her tracks in order to save energy. A massive pack of 25 timber wolves hunting bison on the Arctic Circle in northern Canada in the midwinter, uh, in the midwinter, um, in Wild Buffalo National Park, temperatures hover around negative 40 degrees Celsius. The wolf pack, led by the alpha female, travels single thra- file through the deep snow to save energy. The size of the pack is a sign of how rich their prey base is during winter, when the bison are more restricted by poor feeding and deep snow. The wolf packs in this national park are the only wolves in the world that specialise in hunting bison 10 times their size. They have grown to be the largest and most powerful wolves on the earth. While this description is more accurate than the one shared on the viral Facebook post, some researchers would nevertheless dispute the use of the word alpha. In David Meck's 1990. 1999 paper Alpha Status, Dominance and Division of Labour and Wolf Packs, he argued that the concept of an alpha wolf who asserts his or her dominance over the pack members doesn't actually exist in the wild. 
labelling a high-ranking wolf alpha emphasises its rank in a dominance hierarchy. However, in natural wolf packs, the alpha male or female are merely the breeding animals, the parents of the pack, and the dominance contests with other wolves are rare if they exist at all. During 13 summers observing Elksmere Island Pact, he saw none. Thus calling a wolf an alpha is usually no more appropriate than referring to a human parent or a doe deer as an alpha. Any parent is dominant to its young offspring, so alpha adds no information. Why not refer to the alpha female as the female parent, the breeding female, the matriarch, or simply the mother? Such a designation emphasizes not the animal's dominant status, but its, which is trivial information, but its role as a pack progenitor or the one that produces the babies, which is the critical information according to the pack. This photo is real in the sense that it shows the pack of wolves in the Wood Buffalo National Park, but the pack is not being led by the three oldest members or trailed by the alpha male wolf, as implied by the viral Facebook post. Instead, one of the stronger animals leads the group in order to create a path through the snow for them. So simply, Not true to that Facebook scam. Another scam um, floating around Facebook at the moment is that a mobile phone's Bluetooth sensor can be used to detect cart skimmers. Uh, This viral Facebook post gives readers advice on how to avoid having their credit card stolen while refueling. And this is particularly true at uh, fueling stations. So what's true? The Bluetooth sensor in a mobile phone is a potentially useful way to detect the and lower the risk of exposure to some common kinds of credit card skimmers. And what's false? A mobile phone's Bluetooth sensor won't detect all kinds of credit card skimmers and it's prone to false negatives and false positives. Social media users are never slow to tip off each other on new and ongoing scams and frauds, but as we think, examined over many times over many years, they're likewise keen to share novel ways to counteract those scans and frauds. Um, In February 2019, the Facebook post office readers advice, and it was to pull up at a gas station to fill your car, search your phone for Bluetooth devices. If a sequence of letters or a sequence of numbers shows up in your device list, do not pay at the pump. One of the pumps may have a card reader installed. All card readers are Bluetooth. This warning was somewhat of a crude explanation of the real phenomenon. A Bluetooth sensor on a mobile phone can indeed be used to detect some, though by no means all, credit card scammers at gas pumps and ATMs. Uh, The warning is related to a particular kind of credit card scammer that is placed in a credit card reader at an ATM or a gas station pump. When a customer inserts their card into the reader, the transaction takes place as normal. The credit card, customer's credit card is debited, but the skimmer also extracts all the relevant data from the magnetic stripe on the card, including the credit card number, expiry date, and security codes. The thieves who planted the scammer can then return to the machine and use the Bluetooth transmitter to transmit, transfer the stored credit card details from the scanner to a storage device such as a mobile phone or a laptop all without having to physically remove the scammer. Um, So it's partially true, but not completely true. Um, And it may also give you 
uh, a false positive saying that there is a scammer there when in true fact there's not a scammer. Um, in conclusion, on the whole, um, the 2019 Facebook post was a fairly crude explanation of what is nevertheless a real phenomenon. A mobile phone's Bluetooth sensor can indeed be used to scan for and detect Bluetooth modules uh, known as credit card scammers, um, but it will not always give you a foolproof um, result. So I've got a question here. All those cell phones are a way for the governments to track us. Well, they're only a way for the government to track you if you're using your mobile phone. If it's uh, not uh, open to Wi-Fi um, and you're switched off on Bluetooth, they can't track anything as far as I know. Um also making news this week is the rise in the epidemic of measles across the road, uh, across the world rather. So Australia was once considered one of the continents in the world where five years ago measles was considered eradicated. Um, unfortunately, Australia is now one of the countries that features highly in outbreaks of measles. Um, in Madagascar, the island off of Africa, they had 1,200 cases of measles in the last month. They've also had in the tens of thousands of deaths from measles. So I just want to remind people that measles still has the capacity to kill. It's not a mild childhood disease. It can uh, cause pregnant women to spontaneously abort their babies and it can seriously damage children and infants who have contracted measles and are unvaccinated. I'm wondering, as many other world leaders are, that the anti-vaccine establishment has caused incredible scaremongering throughout parents and they are refusing to vaccinate their children and this is a very sad state of affairs. I'm not here to argue the pros and cons of vaccination at large but except to say that a measles vaccination will prevent you getting measles full stop and a reminder that measles is one of the most contagious diseases on the planet and if you're unvaccinated and come in contact with someone who has measles you are likely to catch measles because it's so highly contagious um, so that's it me for me for another little break we'll throw to another ad and i'll be back after the break Thanks, Rebel. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. 
Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. Hi, and you're back with Radio Tony. Um, One of my lovely listeners has um, uh, had a question about measles and saying, I thought it was eradicated. Yes, for all intents and purposes, it has been thought that measles was eradicated um, in the last few years. However, we've seen the rise of the anti-vaccination squad and lots of people are deciding not to vaccinate their children. Um, and the problem with that is that vaccination requires a herd immunity. Uh, uh, immunity so for us to eradicate measles that's on the presumption that everyone is vaccinated vaccinated and those who can be vaccinated are now there are some people who are genuinely allergic or have a condition whereby they can't be vaccinated for those people they don't have the option but for the rest of us who can be vaccinated, we should be vaccinated at the very least for measles because it's so contagious and because it's so deadly. Um, so I'm just about out of time today, which is surprising for me. Um, next week on my show, I have our guest back and I'll be talking to the lovely Francesca Jordan. Now, Francesca is a Reiki master and a master's in social work. She's had her own practice for approximately 30 years. She's an internationally recognized counselor, speaker, author, and healer. French Gasca was trained in Australia and internationally, and she's worked in Africa, Europe, Latin America, Asia, and India, I think. She's published numerous articles and books in the areas of health, psychiatry, welfare, spirituality, and healing. Um, and she's also been the voice, uh, being the voice of love in a corridor of lost steps, better care for people with Alzheimer's disease, and help for care givers. Um, she's also now writing her mother Isabella Jordan's memoir, which will be fabulous. Francesca has been working in welfare, health and the academic field um, for a very long time. She's a trainer, a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist. She comes to us um, for an interview um, and we're hoping to talk about uh, some interesting subjects like uh, the uh, guilt versus shame discussion. We also want to talk about brain and brain trauma and some of the inroads that clinicians are making in uh, reprogramming uh, our brains after trauma. Um, we also want to talk about how trauma affects the brain. So uh, anyone who has had a major trauma in their life will know without a doubt that their brain doesn't function the same way as it used to. Um, so we want to talk about um, how to recognize those changes in our brain and also how 
we can help ourselves and what form that healing takes in our lives when we've been affected by trauma. Um, so I will be back next week with the lovely Francesca and we will be doing an interview. Um, also thought I'd let you know that in May, starting from the 2nd of May, Radio Tony will be going to a two-hour uh, time slot so the same time 7 p.m thursdays but instead of just 50 minute time slot i will be um going for a two hour time slot in which i'll do the same format um but we will be able to talk to our expert guests a bit longer and we'll be able to ask lots more questions of those expert guests um, and I'm hoping that that will be enjoyable for listeners and you'll be able to call in and interact on chat um, with our experts. So I'm almost out of time again. I'm wishing you all a very safe and happy Easter, um, and I can't wait to join with you next week with our guest, Francesca, to talk about brain and brain trauma. Um and all the best. Have a wonderful Easter and bye from Radio Tony. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7 pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom.